The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out cybionicscgm.com. Welcome back to my chat with Lauren Bongiorno. I hope you enjoyed part one. Now it is time to hear the rest and part two of Lauren's story. Diabetes is one of those very demanding conditions that we live with Mm -hmm. and what i always say is how there's no one size fits all there's no quick fix there's no magic pill there's no magic formula it will always 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 come down to an accumulation of all of these different things that you've listed coming together to benefit our health because we can't just exercise if we don't understand sleep stress water food insulin to carb ratios and it's it can be frustrating for people at times because it is all these small kind of very very precise accurate sometimes even boring things that we need to do each day that leads to us feeling the best that we can feel yeah exactly and it's and it's about really knowing connecting that, I think. I think sometimes too, what we see is that people's numbers have been running high for a while that when you ask them and you say, well, you know, why do you, why do you want to change? And they kind of like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling okay with my energy. I'm feeling okay. I guess I could feel better, but it's mostly to prevent future health complications. And then what we see is like months after they come through coaching, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea how terrible I was feeling because your body adapts, Mm. right? So it really is in understanding like what your why is and your motivating factors and thinking about your limitless potential and like how much you can tap into when your diabetes is, is, and your mindset, right, is is nurtured. Mm. Yeah, I think oftentimes if we are consistently in that higher range, we just adapt to it and it's what we're used to. And I've worked with people who, like you say, have been consistently high and it's just what they've become accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And they almost don't know what to compare it to. But once we start bringing those numbers down consistently, it's like, oh my God, this is what I was missing. This is the energy I feel. This is the sleep I get. This is the my performance in the gym or even out for a walk, all these different things that just seem to blossom from us really giving things the attention. Exactly. So, Lauren, what is the first thing that somebody would do with you guys? Let's say, for example, I'm somebody who has been struggling for 
10, 15, 20 years. I don't know where to start, but I go to you for help. What can I expect to look at first or try to change? Yeah. So, well, we work with both individuals that have diabetes, men and women, and we also have programs for parents of T1D kids. So of course it, it does differ, but, and it's a very personalized approach, right? Because it's, it's more comprehensive than just that transactional kind of, Oh, you're high here, you're low here. Um, but I think the first thing that the very base for everybody is to look back, right? Like if we do the same thing, we're going to get the same outcome. So if you've been trying to get to whatever outcome that is, whether it's increased time and range or better relationship with food or um, understanding your hormones more, especially as a female and how those are impacting your numbers, whatever that may be, you, you have to look back and see what hasn't worked yet. Like what have you continuously tried that you keep going back to, but you need to recognize like it doesn't work. Right. And that could be, for instance, just going back to cutting carbs or exercising more, right. Or trying harder, right. Those are very common ones that we hear. And those things aren't necessarily sustainable because you're not looking at the holistic perspective. So, um, we have them look at that. And then the second thing is we we're big on quantitative data. So starting a one C starting time and range, um, you know, insulin usage throughout the day, but also the qualitative data. And so that is their, you know, fulfillment with sleep and energy and relationship to self and, um, you know, diabetes management as a whole, just their perspective of how they're feeling in all these different areas, exercise, stress and anxiety management. And so we have them do an eight pillars exercise, which is where they go through each one of these and rate themselves on zero through 10 and how fulfilled they feel. And that also gives us a metric. It's almost like the manual now of, okay, where do we go from here? Like you can start to see connections between different areas. And then we start building off of there and ultimately putting that person in the driver's seat. And what a coaching at its base does is it helps you prioritize yourself and get unstuck by developing the tools and the strategies to become aware of your blocks and patterns mm-hmm. and strip away all of these, you know, just things on top that you haven't been able to get past before so that you can move forward towards that vision you have for yourself. So everybody's journey is going to look different, but it, it needs to start with that kind of that base plan of how are we going to move forward now from here? I love that. And I love the expression that you use of being in the driving seat. And, and I use that a lot myself too. We want to get you back in the driving seat of your blood sugar, because if we are constantly what I, what I say, in a reactive state, we're always two steps behind our blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing highs, we're seeing lows, we're getting frustrated, we're getting annoyed, and we're just treating these things as as they come. But I think through what you've listed in terms of the overall understanding and the holistic approach, you can get back into the anticipation state of understanding your insulin, understanding your exercise, understanding your hormones, your stress, your sleep, all these different habits and patterns that inevitably have an impact on our bloods but when they're all broken down and we become more aware of all right what's working well how can i repeat that what's not working so well maybe i'll change that slightly and Mm -hmm. when we have this heightened awareness of our habits and behavior as you say it gives us the ability to confidently be making those sort of changes and adjustments to our life which have 
amazing impacts as, as a diabetic. Yeah. And I think too, Owen, the mindset piece is really, really, really important as mm. well. Yeah. Because uh, this is what I what I like to how I like to explain it. There's our actions that we want to be doing differently, right? So everybody listening, you can think of like things that you want to change, right? It could be exercising more, or it can be giving insulin before your meal instead of halfway through, or it could be, you know, setting your Dexcom alarm in the middle of the night. So you do wake up and, um, you know, correct that high blood sugar, whatever you feel like, oh, I have to try harder at doing. We often try to remedy it by just doing the opposite of that thing and saying, okay, mm -hmm. I want to exercise. I have to, I, I want exercise. I'm not exercising. I just, I'm going to start exercising on Monday. But the thing is, is that you have to go to the root of what causes our actions. And so our thoughts impact our emotions and our emotions impact of impact our actions. And so if we want to change our actions, we have to change our thoughts. And so if you have somebody, for instance, um, let me give an example who thinks, um, I, people won't love me if I have diabetes or if I talk about my diabetes or if I, you know, I'm not lovable with diabetes, right? Let's just take that as a thought of the base. You're going to feel ashamed of your diabetes and therefore, that's going to cause you to, when you're out at a party with your friends, instead of when the food comes out, giving insulin beforehand, you might eat first and then go to the bathroom after and just give your insulin and then your blood sugar is high. And you're like, well, I'm not going to go back to the bathroom to correct and take out my pump or whatever it is. Mm. Right. And if you just say, okay, next time I go to the party, I'm going to give insulin. That doesn't work. Right. Like, because we haven't addressed the core belief. So it, in order to do that, you have to look back at that thought and then say like, what belief needs to change within myself to elicit a different emotion to then then for to therefore elicit a different action and that thought in that example may be that my diabetes doesn't determine my self-worth which then leads to a feeling of maybe more acceptance which then has a better chance at changing the action because it's set up to do that so the mindset work is really important as well and it's very much an umbrella term, right? We hear like, work on your mindset. We need to work on our mindset. But when you get to the nitty gritty of it, like mm. that's an example of, of what part of it could look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. And as much a uh, physical condition diabetes is in terms of everything that we have to do, for me, it's almost more of an emotional condition because as you've said, if we're not in that quote unquote, right headspace, or we don't have a good relationship with things, it's very difficult to consistently do what's necessary physically. So if somebody is struggling with something like that, like the example you've given about how they feel about taking insulin in public or at parties or how other people might perceive them, what could they do even by themselves at home? What could they do to help that? Yeah. So I would say very simply take out a pen and paper and write down your limiting beliefs, like write, try to write down as many that come to mind as possible of thoughts that have been holding you back. And what you're going to see is that they're, they're very much stories, right? They started at a point where maybe your doctor, when you were diagnosed, told you, Oh, and don't, don't take too much insulin or you're going to gain weight. Or they told mm. you, well, make sure you, you know, stay away from those cupcakes. I know you own a bakery shop, right? Like those, those create our thoughts, right? And so maybe your thoughts, 
you know, come from that. And so write them down on how you're relating to your diabetes, how you're relating to yourself, and then even take it a step further and try to see where that thought started. And taking pen to paper is so powerful. Our diabetic health journal, like that, the diabetic health journal was born out of the self-work that I was doing and constantly writing, writing down my blood sugar patterns and my exercise and my food and how things were tying together with my patterns, but also the mindset pieces as well. And what my thoughts were and how I, were, how I was relating to a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar and it not being a quote unquote perfect day. So pen to paper would be my biggest advice and starting with those limiting beliefs. Was not reacting emotionally to your blood sugar, something that you had to learn because that's something that I always speak about on this podcast about how it's important that we can objectively analyze our blood sugar rather than consistently react emotionally to them. That's a life lesson in its whole, I'm <laughs> that in like every area of my life. Um, yeah, especially too, as a, as a business owner, like you have to look at things objectively as feedback, feedback, not failure, right? Mm. It's all feedback. It's just data. It's not determining your self-worth. It's not determining if, you know, you did well or didn't do well, right? It's just, it's just data. And I think that helps you really what it does is it, it doesn't give you a dead end. Like we like to say, we like push this home with our, you know, Risley community so much, but it's curiosity over judgment. Judgment mm. is holding a hammer and curiosity is holding a magnifying glass. When you have both of them in your right and left hand and your eyes are closed, they kind of feel the same, maybe even weigh the same, but they have two totally different purposes and they're different vehicles. The hammer, when you have a high blood sugar, instead of going, oh my gosh, why did you eat that? You know you always go high with that. You know you should have done this. Now it's going to be a screwed up day. da 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 da, da right? Where does that go? That doesn't lead us to anything except for feeling really bad about ourselves. But if you pick up the magnifying glass and you say, wow, Lauren, I'm so curious why you thought that maybe you didn't need as much insulin or you needed why you only gave one unit and you know you needed five units for that. Like, why weren't you paying attention? I'm so curious why, you know, how, why this outcome happened. And that's just a more compassionate, even kind of like joking way to think about it a little bit, um, a little bit lighter. And that leads then to possibilities of, well, I, you know, was rushing, prepping my meal and I didn't give myself enough time in between calls or I, had really poor sleep last night because I was up late watching Netflix, which gives a th about a 30% increase of your hunger hormones the next day. So you, mm. you know, were starving for, you know, just straight carbs and it balance it out with protein or fats or whatever it may be. And it allows you to build on that feedback for, for next time and create deeper connections. I think if we have the ability to take out that magnifying glass, like you're saying, and really analyze things it gives us that sense of, wow, I don't have to react emotionally to my bloods all the time. Sometimes it's difficult, but but if we don't react emotionally as much, it's it's always going to be a positive thing for our diabetes management. And yeah. even just with, with all the trial and error that diabetes requires, I always look at a high and low blood sugar as information because the chances are it's happened for a reason. It's happened because I have done something or I haven't done something or hormones or stress or lack of sleep, whatever it might be, 
But when that magnifying glass gets out, it gives us that ability to say, okay, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And then when we're more aware of why certain things happen, we can take the necessary steps to benefit ourselves the next time. Yeah. And how I like to, how I like to describe it as well is you have your standard deviation of your blood sugars, but you also have your standard deviation of your emotions. And so standard deviation for anybody who doesn't know is if you have a CGM, especially the Dexcom clarity reports, you can see it, but it's essentially like the roller coaster of your blood sugars, right? So you're going to have a higher standard deviation if you're going up, down, up, down versus if you have, you know, tighter control and, um, the average of that blood sugar is a little bit, you know, it's almost like that kind of straighter line is the goal. You want to kind of get closer to it. And so the same thing with your emotions, if you're constantly, if you have a larger standard deviation with your emotions and you're going up and down and, oh my gosh, I'm doing so well. And oh my gosh, I'm doing so bad. And oh my God, that was a great day. And oh my gosh, I can't get my numbers under 300 today. What the heck is going on? You're going to get, you're going to feel really drained and really exhausted versus those things can still happen. And yeah, physically you're going to feel more tired and maybe your mood's going to be down, but there's always that part that you can control and that's how you react right? So it's the E E plus R equals O model. There's a college football coach who coined this. Um, I can't remember his last name. It's escaping me, but, or or his name, but it's event plus event plus reaction equals outcome. And so you can't control the event. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the reaction, which Mm -hmm. therefore influences the outcome. So really looking at working on that, if you feel like you have an attachment to your numbers in that sense, and it's really blocking you from, you know, feeling more free in your life with diabetes and more confident and more happy, um, looking at the standard deviation of your emotions and how kind of what we're talking about right now, Owen, like you can make it more objective and look at it as feedback and as information gathering. This is all very stoic of you, Lauren. It's really yeah. nice to hear. Yeah. It's great to hear. Do you, from a personal standpoint, ever feel overwhelmed by the idea of you all always need to manage your own diabetes, but you're also taking the responsibility of helping other people manage their own? You know, I get asked that question not as frequently as I as I ever thought that I would because it seems kind of obvious, right? Like, oh, she talks about diabetes all the time. She works in diabetes. Her whole team, all the coaches have diabetes, 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 and lives it herself. Like that must be like a lot of diabetes. Um, but it really, it doesn't. And I haven't put too much thought into actually why, but I mean, I've had diabetes for 21 years now and I haven't experienced any sort of, of burnout. I've definitely had my days where I'm just like, oh, would it be nice to just not have diabetes right now? Um, but for the most part, I've never, I'm in a place at least right now in my life where I don't resent it. I see it as something that's helped me grow and I'm able to give back and and help other people. And it's just so tied to purpose that it's exciting. Like I'm, I get so excited. This is my life. Like I don't have my fiance and I, like I hope to have a family one day, but for right now, like we don't have a dog, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have children or anything like that. And so like, this is, this is my purpose and this is my baby. And Um, I put everything energy into it pretty much seven days a week. And I have for the past, you know, since 2015 and, um, 
it's the client results and the feedback and the data that we have that continues to drive me in disrupting the the diabetes healthcare space and being a part of making it better in multiple ways, not just on you know the coaching front, but also on the um, you know part of increasing help with accessibility for people for technology, accessibility for better education, um, you know support with insurance and insurance covering more insurance companies and covering things like coaching that should be part of um, the regular system. So it all just drives me so much, and there's so much work to do that. Um, yeah, like sometimes I have, of course, my off days when I'm not feeling my best, but for the most part, like it's, it's not draining to me. It's very energizing. What has been, Lauren, the most challenging part of business for you up to this point? Hmm. I think the most challenging part, it's always changing. So I'll, I'll give you maybe like what it is right now. Um, Right now, I would say the biggest challenge is setting us up so that we can continue to scale, but also maintain that unparalleled experience that our clients have. Um, So right now we have a team of five coaches and we hope one day to continue to expand to, you know, 10 coaches so we can continue serving more people. And it's just making sure that as we continue to do that, that it is always going to be that same unparalleled experience for somebody who comes through the program with one coach to to another coach. And right now, so far, we've been able to do that. And so we're going to continue replicating that process um, of the training that somebody goes through when they come onto our team. Um, But it's very much been been team right now. So team growth, we went from me being a solo person to now having a team. It's not huge, but a team of um, a team of nine, and so there's just you know as you grow, there's more responsibilities, more things that need to be done, more things that need to be managed, and so it's really balancing it all. I think it's balancing me wanting to show up so much on social media for people and just continuing to give away so much free content, but then also balancing the day-to-day of managing the team or managing um, talking to outside partners or our nonprofit partners or podcasts like this. It's just, it's balancing it all, right? And at the end of the day, leaving time for me to recharge because I'm definitely somebody who I can't burn myself out because I've done it before in the past and it definitely doesn't feel good. And so really maintaining those boundaries for myself of, um, you know, leaving some time on the, on the weekend and at nighttime and things like that. I think that that's even, obviously you're a good few steps ahead of me, so I'm not, I'm not going to compare myself to it, but even for me, I have that, that sense of, I always want to keep doing something and, in a strange sort of way, you almost forget sometimes to recharge. You almost forget to take a break. And sometimes that's the most valuable thing you can do for your business is just take a rest, take a break, relax, recharge the batteries, and then you're you're refreshed to go at it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You speak, Lauren, of, of the unparalleled experience that somebody goes through or somebody has going through these programs that you have. After someone works with you, how do you want them to feel? How can they expect to feel? Mm, I love that question. I think the biggest part of our unparalleled experience that we are really, like we talk about a lot is the clients who will constantly message us years later after coaching, 
a year later, two years later, three years later, I just got two this morning from, from clients saying, Oh my gosh, Lauren, just another update. I, you know, it could be like, I had my baby, right? I had my baby after going through coaching, or it could be, I went to the endocrinologist and it still stayed X, Y, Z from the end of, you know, my A1C, the end of the program, um, when we ended two years ago and I'm doing it still in a more sustainable way and I'm not restricting carbs or I'm not, you know, being obsessive over exercise or things. I'm just using the holistic strategies from the program. So I think that how somebody feels after afterwards is, wow, that was, that was, my hand was held through that entire time. And I'm in such a different place, mindset wise, emotional wise, blood sugar wise. And I feel like it's only going to keep getting better. And I just have to keep moving forward with these tools. And this is, it's truly a transformation. And I don't use that word lightly. Like I, it's not like an overpromise, under deliver kind of thing. It's like, you will transform your life and you can see the hundreds of testimonials that will use that word because it's true. They, they do. And that's how I felt, right? That's how all the coaches on our team felt like we've went through that transformation. So that's why we care so much about people also going through that transformation because we know what's on the other side. From a personal standpoint, what does it feel like for you getting those sort of messages? Because even from my own perspective, doing so many episodes of the podcast and working with so many different clients and consistently trying to always be on a hundred percent. It's when you get those sort of messages, it's like, whoa, all this time and effort is, is worthwhile now. Yeah, you, you get it. And I mean, anyone who's listening, it's like, if you put so much time into something, whether it's a relationship or work or a project or a, a company, like to hear those messages, like I will never, ever, ever, ever like get not like tired of them, but I will, they'll never lose the effect that an impact they have on me because one of my core values in life, like top three hands down is impact. Like if mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm making an impact, then I'm less driven and less like that zest that I have. And so it's so funny, like testimonials can come in through, you know, the inbox or through clients to the team. And maybe like, I'm just not seeing it that week. And I can notice like, Hey guys, like, can you show me like what came in this week? And the second day, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like I'm all ramped up. So I so appreciate anybody who takes the time to send that. And even if it's just like a test, not like a testimonial, but a, a, a feedback of, Hey, like that newsletter really resonated with me or Hey, like that Instagram post shifted the way that I was thinking about that or it inspired me to, you know, do whatever. Like that means so much to me because way more time than people think, <laughs> go into it it, yeah. it just you know <laughs> post or a reel or whatever it is um yeah if it looks effortless there's it, it's not as effortless <laughs> <laughs> no. No. sweating at about 8 p.m trying to get a post out <laughs> oh my god i remember one week i like filmed like four or five reels and I spent like probably like five hours on them and then something happened and like I had to delete the Instagram app off my phone and re-download it and when you do that and you re-download it like it wipes out all your reels and I came back and I was just like oh my god they were all edited I was just like I sat on the couch and Chris was just like my fiance he was just like you look so sad I'm like 
don't talk to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll start over tomorrow, but yes, I am. <laughs> There's your opportunity to practice not being volatile with your emotions, Lauren. <laughs> oh my God, that, that was harder. That's a harder than a high diabetes day. But yeah, so all to say, there's just, you know, a lot of work behind the scenes in anything that yeah. anybody does. And and when you put in that work and you, you value impact and hoping that it touches somebody, like a comment on an Instagram post, like it, it, could, it can make my day. So I, mm. I, you know, same thing for you. Given everything that we've spoken about, and all these different aspects of our life and our day that inevitably will have an impact on our blood sugar. And given your own personal experience and your own experience working with so many diabetics from around the world, what would be one to three habits or routines that you feel are most beneficial for somebody's diabetes management overall? Mm. Well, the first one we talked about already, which is curiosity over judgment. That's for sure. Um, the second one would be consistency with whatever you're doing. Like even in your realm of probably a lot of people listening to your podcast and found you through personal training with fitness, right? Like I used to need to be in the gym, uh, for let's say, you know, an hour, an hour and a half and like killing my body. And then I would go through phases where I would be like burnt out for a few days or I'd get back into it. But like, it wasn't really helpful for me and just my body, my body composition or my goals I had for fitness. And I think what I've learned over the years is just to be consistent. And even if it means like just moving your body for 10 minutes, going for a walk, like if you can't get to the gym, like that it's going to make a difference because it's just becoming a more automated habit of who you are versus a checkbox thing that you have to do. So curiosity over judgment, number one, number two, consistency with whatever it is. It could be pre-bolusing and, you know, giving insulin before a meal for always breakfast, right? Just start with always breakfast or just start with lunch or just start with dinner. Um, and then the third thing would probably be in terms of habits. Um, I think this is, I guess it could be said, it, it's, it could be put into a habit, but constantly learning and relearning your patterns, mm. like knowing your patterns is huge. And also knowing that your patterns are going to change. And so I think the habit is more of just the commitment, the commitment to logging and writing things down and not just like setting and forgetting your Dexcom or your pump or your ratios. Like don't depend on the endocrinologist to change it. Don't depend on them to advocate for what your body needs. Like you have to come back into that driver's seat. So that habit really would be of, of really reflecting on a weekly basis or, or on a monthly basis, like is what my rates and ratios are right now, like, or the actions or things that I've been doing or approaches, is it working or does something need to change? Really, really, really good tips there. I know a lot of people are going to get huge benefit from them and i think for me even what i take from that is diabetes loves consistency no matter what that consistency is it gives you that ability to say okay this is what i can do this is what i can change this is what's working this is what maybe isn't working so good and for me again so much of it will always be awareness and reflection because when we're aware we can see what's working. We can see what's not working so well. And I always break it down into what I call the three A's of awareness, anticipation, and action then to actually take the steps to change what's necessary to benefit your health. Mm, that's so great. I love that. That's easy to remember too. You can use that one. 
but keep, but keep my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I will. <laughs> a common question, Lauren, that I have been asked, and I'm sure you've been asked too, is if you could speak to yourself when you're diagnosed, what would you say? Now, I want to flip that slightly around, and I want to ask you, if your younger Lauren self, just as you were diagnosed, could speak or say something to Lauren of today, what would that be? Oh, I oh, like no. the switcheroo. <laughs> okay, okay. So if the younger me could tell me something when I'm an adult, mm. I probably think that younger me would say, like, this is this is all this is all for a reason. Like and it might not be like the younger me in the sense of like the the consciousness that I had at that age, but almost like the younger, like pat, almost like soulful version of me who could see what was coming down the line. I think that what that would say and how that would look is like you you're getting this challenge for a reason. Like it's to teach you lessons, it's to help form you into the woman and person that you're going to be, and to ultimately just like keep leaning into it. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what it would be. I love that. And it it reminds me of a podcast that we recorded recently. It was actually my 10 years diagnosed recently. So I did an, an episode on that and your answer reminded me of a part, a part in that episode of podcast where I actually basically started crying because I was thinking back to when I was diagnosed and it's so overwhelming and all these different things, but it was, it was like, look forward to the person that diabetes will make you be, you know, Mm -hmm. because you, and even from my own perspective, and I'm sure you're the same, you, you are a completely different person after being diagnosed compared to if you never were diagnosed. And it was like, look forward to that transformation, you know, and you obviously see it with the programs that you do and the work that you do. It's like, look forward to the transformation that you can get from a difficult time with diabetes. And you know what too, Owen, like it really is when you're diagnosed, it's hard for you to see because you're so concentrated on what you're losing. And I, Less for a child diagnosed, probably more so maybe even for you or young adults or adults at any age getting diagnosed. It's it's the loss of freedom. It's the loss of just having chips on a couch and not having to count how many you're having, right? It's the loss of so many things. And, and yes, and not but, and there's also so many lessons and space to really take what you've been given and, and use it to strengthen who you are as a person. So I am in alignment with everything that you're saying. Mm. I've one more question for you, Lauren. Now it might sound like an unusual one, but this is always how I like to end the episodes with guests. And the question is, if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? You mean like trade in my diabetes for something? No, if you could thank your diabetes for 
giving you something or giving oh, you a sort of mindset or whatever. Oh, it it's the it's the Irish accent over the over the. <laughs> okay. I couldn't hear it. I was like, I thought you were saying Hank, and I was like, is this a term I don't know? It's the um, accent. It's the accent. Yes, <laughs> it is. Which I love, by the way. This is so great. Um, I would say if I could thank it for something, it would be like thank you for showing me that different is. I am different and different is okay. And there's never, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And just because you have diabetes doesn't make you less than anybody else. Or just because you have insecurities doesn't mean you can't, you know, work through them and really just thanking it for, for come like once again, strengthening me as an individual in, in who I am at my core and how I view myself and how I view the world and for the opportunities it's given me to taking care of my health in a big way that who knows, maybe if I didn't have diabetes, I would be, you know, I probably always be an athletic, healthy person, but you know, you never know. And it's made me more mindful of my health, of my mind, of my body and opened up parts of me that I may not, might not have been able to even access if I wasn't diagnosed. So much gratitude, really, truly. I love it. And it seems to be something that kind of echoes through a lot of people's minds when, when I ask that question. And, and you, again, you hit the nail on the head of, it's almost like you've a greater appreciation for your health because a lot of it had been taken away quite quickly. And I, I even feel that way about my own. It's, I now have an appreciation for my health that I might not have had. And I also have a greater appreciation for the health of friends and family, which is always going to be a good thing too. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's been so great talking with you. This has been uh, the highlight of my week so far, and I am excited to do it again soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on, Lauren. And where can people find out more about you, about your programs, about everything that you do? Yeah. So uh, I would say visit the website, riselyhealth.com, R-I-S-E-L-Y health.com. Uh, and you can find me on, on, on Instagram, my name, Lauren underscore Bongiorno, and send me a DM. Let me know that you came from the podcast and maybe what your biggest takeaway was. And I'm so looking forward to, to speaking with anybody who, who has listened. If anybody's listening and you haven't checked out any Lauren stuff, I highly, highly recommend it. So Go over to her page, say hello, and see what she's up to. Some amazing things. So thank you, Lauren. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to hopefully connecting with you in person sometime soon. Yes, fingers crossed. And thank you again so much, Owen, for, for holding the space for us to talk. No problem. Take care. Bye. Another massive thank you to Lauren for coming on and giving us her time, giving me her time. I really enjoyed that chat. And my main takeaway and what really struck me from that conversation with Lauren was the fact that she, again, just emphasized how diabetes is not just about insulin. And it's important for us to realize, as any type 1 diabetic has, is that it's about our physical, it's about our mental, and it's about our emotional health with the condition. It's our habits, it's our routines, it's our stress levels, it's our activity levels, our hormones, the food we eat and the sleep we get or don't get. Diabetes is an extremely complex condition. But when we look at 
our habits, our behaviors, things we can do, things we can't do. But look at, like I said at the start of the podcast, how can I improve by just 1%? So before next week's episode, ask yourself, how can I make any adjustments to my routine, my stress levels, my habits, my activity levels, the food I eat, the insulin that I take? How can I adjust these or make any change to these that I know will benefit my health, my mood, and my blood sugar? And as always, thank you so much for listening. I always greatly appreciate your time. I know it's an incredibly important asset to everybody's lives. I appreciate your ears. And if you are enjoying the podcast, which I assume or presume you are, because you're still listening after 101 episodes, if you would like to buy myself and Graham a virtual pint, you can do that by rating the podcast, by commenting on the podcast, and of course, by sharing the podcast with somebody you think may benefit from it. Until then, and hopefully I'll be able to have a real point with you at some stage, but until then, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and we will chat to you soon. Take it easy.